Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Green Room Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Colin Mitchell. Colin, our second podcast under the Republic of Football mm-hmm. umbrella. Uh, but we're not going to be talking a ton of football today, are we? No, it's uh, big things happened last night in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Let me tell you, uh, North Texas, that was probably one of the best games I've ever seen. North Texas beats Oklahoma State uh, 65 to 59 at OSU to go to the quarterfinals or sorry, semifinals of the NIT tournament in Vegas. What are your thoughts, Bruni? First reaction after it happened. I mean, during the game, Colin, let's talk about during the game, how crazy that was. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. North Texas from the start, I don't remember the exact score, but going through it, I mean, they, they led by like six or seven for a majority of the first half. They go to halftime up 24, 17. Uh, their defense was outstanding, otherworldly. I mean, Oklahoma State had no clue what to do. I mean, I said coming into the game that they have Musa Cisse, seven foot one center, very very capable player. They have Caleb Asbury, guard, transfer in, very capable player. Um, and they had athletes, but none of that seemed to matter because North Texas was just outstanding defensively. Man, it was a masterclass it was a masterpiece it was everything that this program and this team stands for is just fighting and giving them hell uh so that was great second half oklahoma state makes their run you know we knew they would they come back i think they tied the game they go back and forth to the end and the north texas offense kind of stagnates but you know when you have tyler perry you know when you have the great players like tyler perry and javion hamlet and your offense stagnates, it doesn't really matter because they just find ways to make shots. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get on, get into all the specifics, but during the game, I was going crazy. And every yeah. and one, every three, every stop, it was, uh, it was an awesome performance and an awesome win. We've been talking about how this team hit a different gear defensively to close out the season. Yeah. I feel like this team has hit another gear after last night because like you said, the physicality that North Texas brought, because Oklahoma State before the game, you said to me, you go, these guys look big. And that's a concern, right? Because North Texas isn't the tallest team yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. And they went toe-to-toe. They out-rebounded him uh, in the first half. Uh, offensive rebounds in the first – second champ points in the first half were insane. I think that was the most impressive thing to me. Obviously, it starts to wear you down in the second half. And when Cissé goes off, who doesn't normally score any points, starts to score points, it's a little rough. But, like, guys like Mulai Sissoko, 12 points, 15 rebounds. Like, where did that come from? Aaron Scott just making play after play after play. Like, those are huge things that we've seen, but we've not seen for the whole entire game where just play after play is being made. Sissoko and Aaron might be the MVPs. I know Tyler Perry put up 23 points, and he was the reason they scored any points late in the game. Um, and he hit those threes, and nobody was more excited for those threes than I was. Uh, let yeah. me tell you. Um, but Sissoko getting eight offensive boards, seven defensive boards, and uh, Aaron Scott, even though he only had three rebounds, it was like he was everywhere. He's like trying to compare him to somebody. He just throws his body around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's fearless, and it's a. Uh, that him and Mule, Mulai, sorry, um, kind of embody what this team is. And my concern was, I think I said it last podcast was like they need. I said they needed a boo in this game specifically. Sissoko is just he. How do I word this? Because Abu is clearly more skilled, right? Yeah. No one's taking that away from him. I think from a footwork standpoint, from a post standpoint. Um, he's probably a, I guess, smarter, more capable defender in that regard. Uh, but Sissoko is just stronger, more athletic. I mean, jumps higher, you know, better athlete. And that's kind of what they needed in this game. They needed mm-hmm. that type of guy to go toe-to-toe with a guy like Cissé and bang with him. Um, not saying Abu couldn't have done it, but I, mean, I, I thought this was a great matchup for Sissoko. And I completely Scott. agree. And and for him to almost kind of jumpstart North Texas at the start as well, because he scored the first point, and then uh, I forgot, I think it was an offensive rebound. He got that board and then hit him, hit that guy with a post move. Don't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. Post move, 
hook and it was like yeah. okay okay and then uh, you mentioned aaron scott being everywhere three blocks yeah and big blocks as well two of three from three for Aaron scott as well man he's he's become an awesome player just a, really an awesome awesome player that was a great um that was a great job getting recruiting him and getting him over here uh in that class so tyler perry ends the game only 7 of 21 but none of that will matter this this mm-hmm. game it's like you go back and look at some of those like old Javion games and you're like, all right, Javion maybe wasn't the most efficient at times, but he closed the games and he would make those shots that mattered and he won the game for you. That's what this Tyler game was. Yep. We, we the, Last podcast, I went back and watched it a little bit. It's like, I, I stand by everything I said. Or we said, rather, I think you, you, you echoed it as, as well, was this team needed something to hold on to, right? Mm-hmm. This team needed, you know, that postseason moment, that postseason breakthrough, let's say. Because Tyler has had all the regular season moments you can ask for, right? We we can go back to his, you know, last year. We can go to this year. All the moments. He's a great player, Conference USA Player of the Year. All of that is warranted. But what he didn't have that Javion did have was the postseason breakthrough, the yep. postseason moments that stick with us. Now, this this game will stick with us. Yep. We'll be like, when, when thinking about Tyler Perry, we'll be like, Man, Tyler Perry beat Oklahoma State, and it won't even matter that he didn't wasn't the most efficient. But he hit that three, and was it Cisse's eye? Like he was yeah threes from the the away. crazy like getting fouled on and one yeah. and like, one. It's it's like it's funny because you bring up Javion. Javion and him obviously have completely different games. Javion would hit threes in big moments, and Tyler in big moments somehow gets penetration, makes and ones. So yeah, <laughs> I'll take. It. I mean, there there was a stretch. And then in overtime, when it completely went ISO ball, and it was just Tyler, give Tyler the ball, and just dribble in and shoot a 30-footer and hope it goes in. And well, it did. A, one of them went in, in, in late in the game, and you're just like, all right, this is – um, they're going to do this. And I, I was hesitant. I wasn't sure. I was cautiously optimistic uh, early in the game. But when Tyler hit that shot and it's like – talking all that shit and you're just like okay they yeah like this that, that's what this team embodies is what what sissoko did what aaron did what tyler did i think even though ruben uh didn't play a great game i mean played 38 minutes uh, kai huntsbury 40 minutes as a team what they shoot 35 percent from the field and beat a big 12 team yep like let that sink in they beat in a, they beat a big 12 team not on a special shooting night, not doing anything out of the ordinary. They shot 35% and beat, in my opinion, a team that is, you know, could have made the tournament and is probably what the seventh best team in the Big 12. Yeah. And not only that, they were the overall one seed, 43rd in the yeah. net. Like this is this is where you wanted to come prove that you were and I, I said it last night. It's like this is the North Texas I should have been March Madness revenge tour because yeah. Right, if if they play like they did last night, they win a game in March Madness, I think. Um, and that's probably the most impressive thing to me is that it was a Big Twelve team. It's not like a pushover. There's no pushover Big Twelve teams, you know. Um, you hold Oklahoma State to 18 percent from three, yeah. like that. That's crazy. That's that's and that's and, and the fact that they were able to rise up and do that with everything that's happening around the team. You know, obviously we talked about Grant, but also you don't have Abu there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean moving to the conference, everything playing on the road, playing on the road. Um, want to give a shout out to Jada Martinez and Matthew stone. I thought they played some good minutes. Uh, it's interesting. Tyree Edie only five minutes, which I think was the right. I think he had an injury. He had a, he had a, he had a wrap on his right hand. Okay. But I I wasn't sure if that was because of anything, obviously. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, (laughs) I mean, but what did we say coming into the year? We said Tyler, Ruben and Kai, as the, your three guards like yeah. that that was gonna have to be the trio that that won you the games and it was ultimately um i think not only did this pro- like like you said this was like oh we should have been in march madness they could have won a game in march madness i still look at fau and again north texas had its opportunity you know you beat uab you beat fu you're in the tournament cool i still look at what fau is doing and how fau beat memphis and i'm like North Texas could have beat Memphis. Like yeah. that, North Texas could have beaten the Sweet 16. North Texas, I, I've watched a lot of these games 
North Texas is no longer it's not it's no longer like North Texas is a good mid major. They're they are a good basketball team. Yeah. Bar none, top forty team in the country. Bar none. Yep. Top forty team in the country. For the first time ever. This is I I we've been hesitant to say, you know, oh, you know, is this team as good as the team that beat Purdue? Is this team the you know as good as the the 2020 team so on and so forth i i think this might be the best team ever yeah and i was thinking like, that same thing the other night as well it's it's like how does this team match up compared to that 2021 team or 2020 team and they i feel like they do everything defensively better and they match up against teams like oklahoma state better that's that's the thing they've because last year's defense, we talked about it. last year's defense was awesome. It was top twenty in the country. This year's defense is just as good, but they are significantly better offensively. And yep. you compare you pair those two things together, like it might be the best team ever. And now they're going to have a chance to go to Vegas, play Wisconsin, who is not as good as Oklahoma State, but you play Wisconsin. And if they if they can win two games, Colin, we're looking at nit champs. How important is an anti? Not not important. What is the significance of an NIT banner compared to everything you, else they've won under Grant? You, I think it would be massive. Like like it like would rank come, it, it rank would be it right next to right next to it, it would be right next to beating Purdue, for me. You don't think an NIT championship ranks above winning? Well, an NIT I don't know about. I don't even if you get don't even get to the semantics. If you just look at it as far as it's in the rafters. Right. You have round of 32 NCAA tournament. You have NIT champs back on oh, not back to back years, but two, two and three that's years. True. Yeah, that's true. Like 2021 um, round of 32, 2023 NIT champs. Like it just shows you what that era was. And yeah. I'm sure they have conference championship banners for uh, 2020 and 2021, like the regular season ones yeah. as well. Like you have banners at that point of 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, four straight years of hanging banners because what I say last podcast, they haven't hung a banner this year. That was, yep. that was our problem. They didn't win a conference regular season. They didn't win the tournament. Where are they going to leave their mark? They can hang a banner. Yep. At the NIT man. And and you did, you were texting me. You went through the past champions of the NIT. Yeah. I was just, I just, I just brought them up <laughs> actually to make this point. You know, we talk, we keep talking about the significance of this. This isn't a CBI. Teams that win the NIT are, like you said, North Texas is now a good basketball team, not just a good mid-major. Xavier, who's a three-seed in the tournament this year, won last year. Memphis, who we already talked about, yeah. uh, won in 2021. They didn't play in 2020. Texas, 2019, beat Lipscomb. Uh, Twenty. I'm going through the last five years. 2018, Penn State. 2017, TCU. Those are basketball teams, and to be within the company of teams like that, I mean, you can go further down the list, you know, uh, Baylor, Dayton, Penn State again, West Virginia. Like, these are teams yeah, like these are blue chip teams, some of them, and and when you're within that company, not only does it elevate your current standing in terms of recruiting and where you are um, as a team, but it elevates the name North Texas, right? You put you put North Texas with that, people go, okay, that's a basketball school. Yeah, you know, we we play basketball here, and I think moving into the AAC and with everything that's going around the team right now, that is one of the most important things that this team could accomplish at the end of this year. The other semifinal or quarterfinals are played tonight. It's UAB Vanderbilt, which is going to be an awesome game. UAB yeah. Vanderbilt and then Cincinnati Utah Valley. In theory, we could have a final four in the NIT with North Texas, Wisconsin, Vanderbilt, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Like that could be the final four there. If North Texas can beat Wisconsin, we're looking at, to me, of all four of these teams, all four of these teams, UAB, Vanderbilt. He's holding, he's holding the phone up to the, up to yeah, the screen right for the now. audio listeners, <laughs> holding up all the teams. Of all the teams left, UAB is the only one I'm scared of. Isn't that weird, though? I mean, I've watched Vanderbilt a lot. I think Vanderbilt's yeah. pretty good. Like, don't get me wrong. Vanderbilt could beat UAB tonight. I make no mistake about it. But, like, UAB is the one I'm scared of here because they have that guard that can break you down. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a way that most teams can't like Oklahoma State can't couldn't break them down in that way right you look at um like FAU has guards that can break them down to a degree I just it's gonna be really interesting to see if UAB doesn't make it to the championship game and North Texas wins it I'm gonna feel pretty good about North Texas against whoever they play 
Like even mm-hmm. if it's UAB, even if it's UAB, I, I want it. I want the rubber match. Oh yeah, like, I know North Texas technically is up two to one, but Walker didn't play the first time they played. Um, the second game went to a double overtime, and then UAB beat him in the postseason. Yep. I need that rubber match. I need. Man, it. wouldn't that just be a storybook ending for the season, huh? Meet him yep. in the IT Championship. <laughs> UAB versus North Texas in the NIT. That'd be Vegas. crazy. That would be absolutely crazy. Be nuts. Um, but yeah, great win. Uh, they've they've done it. They've given us something to hold on to this year. Yep. And that's all we can ask for. Yeah, they've done it. They're going to go to Vegas. Hopefully, they can beat Wisconsin, who is, like I said, not as good as Oklahoma State. Wisconsin ranks 133rd in offense. They're 23rd in defense, so they're a good defensive team, but. The offensive numbers are not good. Yeah, and I looked up last night for anyone who cares about the net. They're in the 80th range. I couldn't remember the exact number, but it's 80-something. Um, so 344, 341st in tempo, so we'll have a very slow game here. It's the over-under. Um, <laughs> it's going to be like 112. <laughs> it's good. Something like that. Something like that. But, uh, yeah, Wisconsin's offense, you know, they're pretty inefficient. Pretty inefficient. They don't turn the ball over. That is their one strength. So we'll see if North Texas can can lock them down again. I'm I'm excited. We'll see. Maybe Abu's back for for that game. If Abu does come back, I'm bringing him off the bench. Oh yeah, I don't think you can take away what Sissoko's done. I'm I mean, not you changing have, you, nothing. You have, you have to keep that same nope. thing. Nope, not changing anything. And I don't know how much I'd play him. Like, and this isn't an indictment on him. I just this team is with the way they played last night. Yeah, I don't think you can mess up. Something that's already going so well. No, not changing anything. All right. Um, let's get to the elephant in the room, Colin. Yep. So yesterday. Oh, okay. You're going to introduce it. As everyone knows, uh, before the game, Jeff Goodman said that Texas Tech's number one target is Grant McCaslin. This morning, Jeff Goodman tweets, been told that McCaslin at Texas Tech could be announced shortly after North Texas finishes playing in the NIT. <clears throat> For all intents and purposes, Grant's gone. Yeah, I think that once that happens, this program couldn't be in a better spot, especially after last night. There is, there's a lot to unpack here, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like we're talking about the greatest coach in North Texas history. Like we're talking about a, a coach that has taken this team from two and sixteen, uh, my freshman year, so twenty sixteen, um, to now hanging four straight banners potentially. And potentially winning an NIT and being a top 40 program in the country. Um, the work, like, we don't need to, I don't think we need to completely give an obituary at the moment. But yeah. the, the what he's done with this program speaks for itself. Everybody who's listening to this podcast knows, everybody who um, has followed North Texas in any capacity knows how amazing of a job that he has done. Him and his staff. I want to give all the staff credit, you know, Reem, B., Ross, the whole game. Yeah. Um, and I I can understand a lot of times when there are coaching changes, I can understand animosity, but it doesn't feel like North Texas fans would be would have animosity in this situation. I think North Texas fans are smart. I think North Texas fans understand where they are, and I think they understand what the what Texas Tech is to a degree. Like just the the job that it would it would be. Right. And there are two, I think, I don't remember who said this once, but it was some coaches was like, either you're, you're leaving a most 90 something percent of coaches either get fired or they leave on their own accord to go take another job. Like that's always inevitable. You just want it to be, they leave on their own accord because that means that they did a good job. Right. So, you know, who knows in, in eight years to be talking Ross Hodge to, Texas, it's like like you know that's what you want right right you want it to continue and just to be coach after coach after coach and build north texas up into being the next houston houston memphis obviously you know st mary's over there gonzaga over there in, in a in a perfect world right like that that's what gonzaga. you want and yeah i have a bigger picture take uh coming but what what are your thoughts on the on the, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head. You don't want to see a coach leave for a lateral move, right? You don't want to see him move to a, to a different team. If a coach is going to leave, you want to see him hit the pinnacle of college basketball. And Texas Tech is, if not one of the pinnacles, a pinnacle in college basketball in terms of facilities, stature, and all that. So 
if you want to coach Levy, you want to go to Texas Tech. Yeah. One. Two, the program is in the best spot it's ever been. And I don't think it'd be set up any better for whoever takes over next, whether that's Ross or whoever. Yeah. So I don't think that there's going to be a a hangover period where it's like, oh, you know, like I think North Texas is in the position to keep this thing rolling. And I think that's the most important thing, not only for, I think, Grant, because I think Grant really, really cares about North Texas. Like he would want that, obviously. But also the fans, like it's easier for the fans to stomach. It's like, yeah, we are at a great spot. That's that's all it is, man. It is. You thank Grant for what he did, and you say, "All right, now go win a national championship at Texas Tech." Yep. Like this is again, we want North Texas to build up to where they are on that, like let's say again, St. Mary's caliber. Like I think that's a dream, right? To where you're consistently in the tournament, um, you know, you're consistently competing uh, with other top mid majors, and you're being potentially you know maybe one day get into uh, a higher even better conference with all the conference realignment who knows but him taking the job at texas tech to me and i think i i've actually you know looked it up and looked at different people's opinions on this it's like texas tech is a top 20 job in the country oh, yeah comfortably they made the national championship in 2019 chris beard went over there with less of a pedigree than grant mccaslin and turn and got them to a national championship and turned them into a powerhouse. Um, Mark Adams, I mean, he was the assistant for Beard. Uh, now you know was two years over there. He's gone now. They what is built there is the fan support, the money. I've been told. I mean, I haven't been told this. Sorry, I've read that they have <laughs> like top five facilities in the country. Yeah. There is nothing about the Texas Tech job that makes me say, damn, he should have stayed. Oh, like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, it's just not feasible. It's not fathomable. So I think as long as everybody's on under working under the same premise that this is a good move for Grant McCaslin, I think we can move on and look at, you know, North, what North Texas has to do, what, you know, a potential hire would be, and we can look at all that stuff now with that being said. Um, I, I know – that uh what was it so what I, where i was gonna go with this was that north texas i think has two options here um not in terms of a head coach but how they want to approach basketball moving forward mm-hmm. and they can continue doing what they're doing to where it's you know obviously they care about basketball they'll pay the basketball coach they paid mccaslin a lot of money but ultimately you know you go back to football and you try to get the most out of football i agree but there is a world in which you say, let's see if we can become a basketball powerhouse. And I don't think that's something people have considered because it's such a football state, such a football world we live in to where football will make the money if you are good at it. And even if you're bad at it, it, it makes the money. But I look at what a Gonzaga has done. I've looked, I look at what like a St. Mary's has done. Um, you know, Memphis football is not great. Uh, you look at a lot of schools, uh, I think Cincinnati may be another example, even though they're good at football. You want both to be good, but right now you have so much momentum with basketball and so much support with basketball. It feels like you need to go, you need to dedicate a lot of funds and resources into making sure that this remains a prominent basketball school to me because football is fickle to me. Football is fickle. You, you might hit some, you might lose some basketball. If you put resources into it and you have a good coach, you will win. Like, yes, no matter what, like at North (laughs) Texas, I think that's what we in a perfect world, both win, but I'm not saying you have to take anything away from football. You don't take anything away, but basketball right now, in my opinion, should be one of the top priorities. Because you have to keep this thing going. I completely agree. I mean, it, not only does it raise the stature of the athletic department, but it puts the college itself on the map, right? And, and you already talked about football is fickle. I don't think there's a world in the near future where you can have a a North Texas looking like Houston, where Houston's football team is ranked top 25 and their basketball team is ranked number one. But I do see it, like you said, where if you continue to make this basketball thing go, you're in the AAC, you can be in Memphis. Why not? You still have the football team that, you know, is in the AAC, but you have the team that's going to the tournament. And I think you have to kind of weigh your 
weigh your options in the sense that yes, football, like you said, is king. And you've said this forever. Football is king. But at some point, if you have the opportunity that not many programs have in terms of keeping that program going and making it to where it's not just a thing under Grant, but it's a thing under whoever coaches this team. Yeah. I think you need to take that opportunity. Like that could be, that's going to be one of Jared Mosley's biggest decisions. And not again, I want to repeat, he's not picking between basketball and right. football. Like he, he's not saying, oh, okay, we're going to take from football and give to basketball. I'm not saying that. But there are a lot of programs. You look at UTSA and what UTSA, the situation they're in, it's obviously very different from a financial standpoint. They're saying, screw basketball. We're paying Jeff Trailer and we're going all in on football and trying to win this thing. Cool. That's great. North Texas at this moment has a lot more money than UTSA does and does not have to make that decision, does not have to cut anything to give to football. Football will be fine no matter what. They need to, Jared Mosley and company need to dedicate time, resources, money, attention to basketball and make sure that this program remains a prominent team because it could be real easy to fall into what UTSA is. Yeah. It can be real easy to fall into, you know, let's just throw it all on the football team. Well, what happens if the football team doesn't work out? What happens in two years at UTSA when Jeff Trailer leaves and, and UTSA maybe takes a step back, right? And they go back to being a six and six team, seven to five team, and the basketball team still sucks because they didn't, you know, they didn't do, make any changes. Yeah. Then you're just irrelevant. Like, not only that, you can say what sorry. you want about basketball, and sure, it is not football. At the end of the day, though, you can build a community, you can build a following, you can build something that fans can gravitate towards with basketball. This isn't freaking a small sport. This is the second biggest sport. It is the only other sport that could generate revenue. Right. Yeah, and and you already see it right now at North Texas is you built the indoor practice facility. You have all these really great facilities, and what do they have to show for it recently? Not much. So you're pouring money into something, not saying, like you said, not saying it's it's all for naught, but it's fickle, like you said. Whereas if North Texas right now, their basketball facilities aren't that great. You have the super pit. Yeah, we we've been to the <laughs> facility. Yeah, I mean it's the yeah the E, <laughs> the E. They don't even practice there most of the time, like because yeah. they don't. You know why would you at this point? It's, right. It's very small. So, so I completely agree with you. Where it's you know look at that new stadium that's in the master plan. Look at whatever you have to look at to keep this this team in the top forty top 50 year after year i'm looking through uh i'm looking at the top like 40 in ken palm right now mm -hmm. on basketball and i'm wondering to myself how many of these are like football schools name off a couple alabama context, obviously is I'm, I'm just saying football schools alabama yeah. uh texas football school uh like let's just say not not including sec because SEC is the SEC, and SEC's got stupid money to where they can yeah. just pay for everything, and it doesn't matter. Outside of the SEC, like I'm looking at schools like you know, that aren't football. Like UConn is up here, uh, Gonzaga up here, obviously uh, Purdue and the whole like state of Indiana. Did you know? I think it's Indiana has the most Ken Pump subscriptions. There's actually a breakdown of that. <laughs> That's probably like, very. The state true, of Indiana dude. has like three of the top four because Purdue's in Indiana, Indiana yeah. University, all that. Like Butler. Yeah, anyways, um, Kansas, Arizona, Marquette, Creighton, St. Mary, San Diego, Xavier, Duke, Baylor, uh, Memphis, Kansas State, FAU, Maryland, Michigan State. Like, you get what I'm saying here? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like there's like, a trend here outside well, of the SEC to where Sorry. everybody else here is hit or miss in football. But the teams that I just named for the most part are pretty freaking consistently good at basketball. Yeah. I mean, look you, at the last five champions of NCAA March Madness. Kansas, not a football school. Virginia, not a football school. Villanova, not a football school. North Carolina, not a football school. And then Villanova Duke again. Baylor's in there in 2021. But outside of that, it's almost like football and basketball together is the outlier whenever you have a good basketball school. Like, North Texas has a chance, and this might sound crazy, this whole podcast might sound crazy. This the last <laughs> it thing might, might sound it might, crazy it might. to people. Like it, we might get people being like, "Y'all are idiots." We need to put all our money in football, cut the basketball program, and that's your opinion. Cool. North Texas has a chance to be a basketball school right now, like a legitimate basketball school. 
San Diego mm-hmm. State level basketball school. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested. It's 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 a theory. If they want to do it, they can do it. It's there. It's there. The opportunity is there. The avenue is there. And I don't think you even have to take away from football very much at all. Like again, you let football do what you're doing. Y'all have money. You know, you got a new coach. You got the facilities. You got the master plan. Cool. At the end of the day, it's about attention. It's about um, effort. And I think that is something that we've seen throughout Conference USA is some teams care, some pro, some athletic departments care about basketball more than others mm-hmm. at the mid-range major level. Well, to me, most of the mid-majors that care about basketball are winning. And that is something North Texas, it's just something to weigh. It's something to weigh. That's that's it. That's all I'm saying is I'm not saying if this, but if this team could be VCU. Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm just, yep. that. that's all I'm saying is that, that you look through the top 60 teams, 70 teams in Kimpong, man. You take out the SEC. How many of them are football schools? Not many. Yeah. Um, not many at all. So, I mean, Ohio State fell off a cliff this past year. <laughs> Ohio State like went sixteen to nineteen in basketball. Like I'm watching, I don't know. You get you get my point. You get my point. So, uh, anyways, some people will take that as like saying I don't want the football team to do well or sacrifice the football for basketball. I'm not saying that, but um, I am saying I think basketball is going to be important. It's going to be interesting to watch Jared Mosley navigate that over the coming years. Yep. All right, uh, we're not doing any candidates, are we? When I, I mean, no, I, think I, we, I haven't looked. I think, in, I think we wait until after it's all said and done. Yeah, we can wait till afterwards because I haven't looked at anything. Um, Ross Hodges is still probably the the number one choice there, um, but we'll see. We'll get into all that afterwards. We'll see how they do against Wisconsin and go from there. All right, let's wrap this podcast up with um, some Dave Campbell's rankings. Okay. Um, now I don't know if Mike Craven did these by himself. I'm trying to read to see if he did them by himself or not, so I know who to direct this to. It says De- Dave Campbell's Texas football. So they looking at the they looked at the top ten best players at each position going into spring. Okay, um, I can send you the links. I didn't even send you the links. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very up right now. You can continue. <laughs> okay. Uh, North Texas is not featured in all of these lists. For example, uh, offensive linemen. They do not have one of the top 10 offensive linemen in the state, uh, which Gabe Blair would probably be my only one that I would look at to say Gabe Blair should probably be on there. But offensive line is kind of a hard position to evaluate individually at times. So, you know, not mad at it. I still expect them to have a good offensive line, North Texas, going into this season. Um, Tight ends is where it gets interesting. It's the first one we'll get to. Can you send me the link? I can't find it. I keep getting high school. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see. Let's do this one. All right. This is the defensive line link, but you'll just click through to find the. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Can I text to you or Discord? Discord. Okay. There it is. All right. Varkey's Gums is the number three tight end in Texas. We kind of talked about it last podcast, but it's pretty underrated what he did last year on this team. Really? It really 34 is. 34 catches, 458 yards, and five touchdowns. Um, J- uh, Jatavian Sanders, which uh, they call him JT Sanders on here. I didn't know he abbreviated his name, but J- J- Jatavian Sanders uh, out of Texas had 54 catches, 613 yards, five touchdowns. So, cool. No problem with that. Jatavian Sanders was a five-star guy. Awesome. Donovan Green is number two from Texas A&M. 22 catches, 233 yards, and two touchdowns. So, Marquise Gums damn near doubled him up in every category. But it's Texas A&M, so, you know, you do what you want with it. Um, I'm looking at the rest of these guys. None of them had more catches than Marquise Gums. None of them had more yards than Marquise Gums. And I will throw out a name, Oscar Cardenas from UTSA. 31 catches, 438 yards, two touchdowns at number seven. Like, are we looking at Varkey's Gums as a first-team all-conference tight end? Is this the I've... best tight end? <laughs> <laughs> Your face is crazy. That was funny. Is this the best tight end since we've covered since 2015? I think in terms of what you want a tight end to do now, 
in modern football, not just block. Yes, because I can't remember a receiving tight end that North Texas has had in in my memory. Um, and like, and he did it without an offense that was competent most of the time. If North Texas does what we think it will do with the talent on its roster on offense, we could be looking at a guy that could be up there in terms of receiving yards and touchdowns for this team. Just I'm based on how think, he played last year. I'm trying to think how much more he could even do at this point. Like, I mean, 40, just catch the ball more, like, I guess. Okay, but 40 <laughs> catches would be a ton. Like, if he had 40 catches for 600 yards and six touchdowns, that'd be an crazy. awesome year. It'd be crazy. So that that's what I'm saying is, like, we'll see how much they get more they get him involved. But I feel like last year he was kind of that uh, – how do I word it? He was that guy that caught teams off guard to a degree. Like, it, they were so worried about maybe other players, and then Varkis Gums comes on an underneath route and then catches and takes for 30 yards. Yeah. You know, that's what it kind of felt like with Varkis. But, yay, top three tight end in the in the state for, for North Texas. Let's go to receivers. Obviously, UTSA has two on here. Zachary Franklin and uh, Joshua Cephas at one and five. I have no problems with that. Uh, DeCorian Clark is also very, very good for them. So they have those three-headed monster there. Um, we get down to the list. At number 10 is Jair Shorter. Last on the list, right? I yeah. guess technically last, but it's a top 10, Colin. I know what it's I not, had to put it anyway. It's not like it's ranking every receiver in the in the state. It's last on the top 10 list. Okay, you're right. Last in the top <laughs> I just said 10th. Um, and it's funny because you look at his stats, I think they're the lowest of anybody on here. 23 catches. Oh, no. Anaya Smith from AM, who got hurt last year, had 15. But so the second least amount of catches on here 23 catches, 628 yards, 11 touchdowns. When we start to, and again, start is a key word here. When we start to say what we want from Jair Shorter going into this season, is it just more receptions? Because last year it was boomer bust. 23 catches, 11 of them were touchdowns. 23 catches, 628 yards. Yeah. Like, is it just more catches for him? I feel like Jair Shore has always been boomer bust. And I don't necessarily think that's a negative thing with how Jair Shorter affects the game. It's not like he's not catching the ball. It's just that he's going to go on a go route. And if you hit him, he's scoring a touchdown. Um, So I guess more catches. And if that leads to 13 touchdowns instead of 11 touchdowns, sure. I don't think Jair Shore is going to be the guy that's catching the ball in the slide is what I'm trying to say. That, well, I'm asking – I think more so people are wondering, like, can he become that uh, – I don't want to say Rico Bussy because Rico Bussy I think was a little bit more versatile. But, like, a guy who could, you know, maybe get to 40-something catches. And even if it's only – even if it's yards per catch drop from 27, which is absurd, 27 yards per catch to, like, 17 – would that be I'm, okay? It would be okay, but I don't think that can happen with what I think is on this receiving core. Like, like Jair Shorter has his role, right? Like, he's, like we just said, the boomer bust guy. He's going to score 11 yeah. touchdowns on 23 catches. You still have Tommy Bush. You still have Roderick Burns. You still have Varkey's Gums. They're going to fill the other roles that Jair Shorter doesn't necessarily have to if he's not as good in those places as those other guys. Now, if he is really good in those situations, then sure. But until that, I mean, he is what he is, and that's not a bad thing, like I said. I just think it's interesting because, you know, as we – if he continues to build up hype and stuff, we'll be talking about him potentially to the NFL. I think he is going to have to show a little bit more than just being a big play receiver. Uh, the schedule will be harder this year, you know, like we said. So maybe we'll see him in a little bit different situations to where he's not catching – go balls on UTEP or, you know, whoever else. Um, I'm not saying that's where all his yards came from, but still it'll be interesting to watch him against better competition. So, yeah. Um, Iowa Dai, uh is ranked the number five running back here. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Adai is the best running back on the team. I completely agree with that. Him being number five and – Texas seems a little weird to me. Over Jonathan Brooks from Texas. Uh, I mean, Deion Hankins from UTEP is at seven. None of the other names below him really stand out, but uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, if you're ranking running back rooms, North Texas is probably in like the top three range. Like, you could probably go like Texas, A&M, and North Texas, probably just off the top of my head, as far as like running back rooms. I don't know about Baylor. Baylor might have a couple dudes in there as well. Regardless. Uh, and, t- and running back is one of those positions where a lot of people say, like, oh, we have – like, every team says they have good running backs. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know – like, fan from a fan perspective, every fan base is like, man, we got these running backs. They're so good. LSU is one that doesn't really have that. But still, it's like uh, every team thinks they have good running backs and good receivers. I think that's something across the board fan bases are like, oh, we got good receivers and, and running backs. North Texas legitimately, though, should have one of the best running back rooms in, in the state. I just don't know if Iowa Dai is the number one back. But I think he led them in most categories last year. So that's why I can't be too mad. 7.2 yards per carry. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> that is kind of crazy. crazy. Uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I would with put, I'd put either Ragsdale or Attaway up here. I, would, I think I'd put Idei over Ragsdale, but I think Attaway is the number one just because of how much more dynamic he is overall as a back. Like, not only can he just truck you really hard, but he also has the, the, the movement and in, in the the breakaway speed to do to do dynamic things. So, yeah. Um, but he's stay healthy. So, yeah, um, that's that's the big thing going into this season. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it with uh, Ragsdale, Attaway, Idei. Um... You know, Quillon Farrar, BK Jackson. The running back room has plenty of names there, so there's enough weapons for them to to, to toy with there. Uh, we're only doing the offense today. We'll probably get the defense next time. But Chandler Rogers does not make the quarterback list, Colin. How irate are you at our partners for not putting him on the top ten list? Let me quickly run through the top ten. Okay. We've done a whole podcast on Chandler Rogers. You know, y'all can go watch that if you want. Uh, Frank Harris, number one. Quinn Ewers, Texas, two. Tyler Show, um, Texas Tech, three. Connor Wegman, four. Texas A&M, five. Preston Stone, SMU, six. Donovan Smith, Houston, seven. Blake Shape and Baylor, eight. Chandler Morris, TCU, nine. JT Daniels, Rice, ten. Malik Hornsby, Texas State. Now, Malik Hornsby is the one I have a problem with here. Okay, I've watched Malik Hornsby. He is a track athlete, 100%. Nobody's taking that away from him. He's extremely fast. He played at Arkansas last year. We clearly know he's talented. Okay. Um, but he has done nothing to prove that he is a better quarterback than Chandler Rogers. Just none. Yeah, nothing the more. one touchdown, two interceptions, 268 passing yards. Obviously, I'm assuming that's not starting. So No, KJ but- Jefferson started last year for them um he he was the backup i watched him you know a few times throughout the year i mean i think a lot of this is projecting what he could do against the sun belt but the problem is and i don't know if it's a problem but the problem i have is the fact that we watch chandler rogers in the sun belt play good football for two years yeah Yeah. Lee cornsby we do not know if he will be good or not, maybe he just can't throw the freaking football. Like we, he, we can run, but it's just a, it's a tough. Jason I know everybody Bean? loved, everybody <laughs> loved the pickup for Texas State, but like, just don't, don't, don't skip over Chandler Rogers like that. You're saying he can be Jason Bean? Uh, maybe I don't know. He doesn't. I don't think he. <sighs> I don't. I, I don't know be. nothing about him. I just threw out the name. No, I, that's no, the it's, first it's a good thing. name. He's <laughs> he's faster than Jason Bean. Dude's insanely fast. Um. We'll see. Can I just appreciate the JT Daniels is playing for Rice? Can we just, can we just sit back for a second and appreciate Georgia to West Virginia to Rice? And you he played at USC too. That's crazy. Anyways, yeah, I mean Chandler Rogers. I feel like he has to. Although I like your your argument about saying he's in the Sun Belt. He, he at the end of the day still has to prove himself. I feel like. Um, yeah. And. If anything, he do we need him to be something more than, you know, like a top eight quarterback next year? What do you mean? Do we need him to be? 
Because I feel like we've relied on quarterback. Like, where? okay, let's just do this. Where would you put Austin Ani on this list? I wouldn't put him in the top 10. I I still don't think Malik Hornsby is better than uh, Ignore that. Ignore ignore him. Put Okay. I'm putting him I'm not putting him I don't think I'm putting him over JT Daniels. If that's what right. That's that's what I'm asking. Like you like so what are we looking for next year? I think we're looking for Chandler Rogers to be although it would be great if he came in and just lit it up. Like I want him to be like a top 7, top 6 quarterback next year just because that would that would mean that there's some consistency on the offensive end at quarterback. And I feel like that's all I'm really looking for. So the fact that he's off the list doesn't really bother me a whole lot because I don't really necessarily know where I'd put him anyways. It's a good point. I think, uh, and we maybe talked about this before, but the quarterback position is largely a product of the offense, right? right? And in any team, any place, you know, any level of football, quarterback is a position that relies on being comfortable. It relies on other people doing their job. It relies on the coaches uh, being a step ahead in a lot of situations. If Chandler Rogers gets that help from everybody around him, he is more than talented enough to make plays. The problem with Austinani was that he was making plays, but he was also making plays for the other team. So yeah, as long as Chandler Rogers doesn't do that, I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot because Eric Morris has proven to us time after time that he can help quarterbacks and put them in a good position to um to succeed yep so that's where it's going to be an interesting uh dynamic moving forward but yeah that's the offense there you go um you know i have a good i have a fun uh, off-season idea for us colin is we rank the top five at every position um in our time since 2015 at north texas oh that could be fun so there's an off-season just just start thinking of off-season ideas. I, mean, I can't wait to throw in backup quarterbacks at the quarterback position that's going to be that's going to be crazy. <laughs> Where's Quinn Shambor is the real question. Hey, he led that one drive. Whenever... Is he over Grant Gannell? Stone Earl? That four He's or five spot's going to be tough. He's over Stone Earl. Well, don't forget, who, who started your freshman year? Demarcus Smith. Wow. Yep. Worst play I've ever seen in college basketball, or college basketball, college football. He rolled out of the pocket and like ran 40 yards back and got sacked. And that was crazy. I believe that was against Marshall. It was against Marshall or army, but that was just, that was bad. Alec Morris as well. Actually, I think the quarterback list in North Texas is actually pretty good. Alec Morris, I think would be third, fourth. Mason fine. We'll look at yeah. it. Look at us already spoiling content. Jesus. We'll go through this one real quick. Cause now I, now I got to know. <laughs> Mason fine is one. Yep. Austin Ani's two. Jason Bean is three. Who's four? It's got to be Alec Morris. <laughs> he almost won you a bowl game against Army. Almost. Um, <laughs> all right. Alec Morris, four. Five has to be Quinn, right? Like just all mm. talent is probably. Well, let Grant me think Gano. real quick. Who's more important? Like, Who's more important? Was Quinn or Alec Morris? I'd probably put Quinn over Alec Morris. <laughs> God. Rip well, okay, but Alec, then man. remember last year Stone Earl had some touchdowns in the wild. Yeah, but pass. they didn't do anything last year, so I'm not. I'm just that season does not count. Like the okay. fact that we have to put Austin on it too, just because he played a lot. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like like he didn't do anything. Like <laughs> like just because he played a lot. All right, there's the list. Uh, four is Quinn Shambor. Five is Alec Morris. Yep. Top five quarterbacks since 2015. Let us know if we're forgetting someone. Think about all the quarterbacks that they passed since 2015. Let's see if I can run through them real quick. Probably 15. So we already 2015. Need 2015. Andrew. Mc... All quarterbacks are just starting quarterbacks. All quarterbacks. <sighs> uh, Josh Greer, Andrew McNulty. Demarcus Smith, uh, Alec Morris, Mason Fine, Quinn Shambor, uh, Austin Ani, Jason Bean. I'll say those. Uh, oh, it was oh, the guy number six, the transfer this lefty. Is, yeah, this is the run right here. You gotta get, you gotta oh, get the, this man. run of the team. This you want is me to help crazy. Jay, hold on, Jace Reuter, yeah. uh, Grant Gannell, yeah. Stone Earl. Yeah. Um, what is that guy's name? Lefty, number yep. six. Yeah. 
there's a few. I'll I'll help you. I'll help you for the sake yeah. of our podcast. Yeah. Um, Armani, uh, Armani, Armani Gilmore. Gilmore. Yep. Armani Gilmore. Bryce Drummond. Will Keeney. Case and Martin. Case and Martin. JD Head. JD Head. Grant Gannell. How many are we at? You can try. I think uh, I was at ten. and I gave up, and then close you, to you took 20. overs. It's closing close on 20. twenty. Chandler Rogers now. Uh, I think that's it. That's it. Does North Texas have the record for most quarterbacks turned into tight ends or linebackers? The wild list. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Casey Martin switched to tight end, or in like special teams, special and then teams. and then went to go play quarterback. as quarterback somewhere else. <laughs> He balled out, man. He balled out. Shout out, Casey. Um, but yeah, there's the list of quarterbacks. So some free content for y'all that we were gonna make into a different podcast. But Colin likes. Well, that wasn't our top five list. That was just can you name them? <laughs> well, we did our top five too. So maybe it'll change. You know, maybe I'll throw Josh Greer up there. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see. Stay tuned. Off season content coming soon. Um, spring football is underway. We'll try to get um. Look at maybe like getting Reed or somebody on here to talk spring football next week. Um, we got big plans for guests coming up over the off season, so stay tuned for that. Uh, hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Nice fifty minute pod. Uh, hope you all get through the week. Um, you can listen to our podcast on the Republican Football Network. Um, they said we we're allowed to do some basketball, so we said, "All right, we're doing basketball." I mean, they didn't really have a choice. We were doing basketball anyways. <laughs> right. We, we we run our show. Damn it. We got to swap um, into a basketball podcast like we hope Jared Mosley does with the school, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. We are a basketball pod. Um, but yeah, you, if, if y'all are watching on YouTube, everything's on YouTube. You know, we'll, we'll be here still. So we appreciate the support. Uh, follow us on Twitter at GreenRoomUNT. We post on there almost every day. So um, the follower count is ticking up slowly but surely. We appreciate the support. And yeah, we'll be back next week at some point to uh talk about the nit and you know give you some more football season podcast stuff so thank y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all later